the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents. Take a seat and buckle up, folks, because Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn are here to violate your ear holes with more indie wrestling, pop culture, and pee-pee humor than you could possibly mentally or emotionally prepare for. You're here for reviews, interviews, nonsense, and more nonsense. It's the IndieCast! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. I am Zach Romero. I am uh, firmly sitting in the Barbara Walters uh, persona tonight. I am leading an interview here with a guest that we've been wanting to have on for a long, long time. Uh, because of the you know pandemic, we're kind of leaving everybody at home tonight. So I've, I've taken up the mantle here as Barbara Walters for my one-on-one interview uh, with so uh, where do I even begin? A mainstay at, in the Punk Pro roster, a uh, beloved science son of Bizarro Lucha, the glitch in the system, Kai Faden. Kai, thank you so much for joining us on the IndieCast. Thanks for having me, uh, Gimmick Dad. <laughs> exactly, yes, and also my son. I should also mention that. Uh, <laughs> so um, what we do here, because as a uh, podcast that is in, a over, in an overly saturated market, um, we look to separate ourselves by running through the basic questions that all wrestling podcasts ask that are very boring. Uh, we like to call it the lightning round. And it has completely fallen off the rails because originally it was a bunch of boring questions. Now it's like two very standard questions. And then it, we got bored with it and started asking weird crap. So uh, the first lightning round question, Kai, is uh, when did you start training and what was your official debut date? Um, I officially started training back, oh boy, that this is a hard one, just because it's just like, if, if you want to count, like, the whole backyardy days, you can count those, which would put me at, like, doing it since 2010, okay. um, or actually 2009, uh, if you, like, and I kind of count all of that as more of training than anything, just because if anything, it got me used to being in front of a crowd, not Good. doing it well. Um, <laughs> then, but that's, I was also that's okay. professionally training. <laughs> I was also professionally training uh, throughout that time. So my actual debut match, where I was licensed and professionally trained by the t- by that time, was uh, on October thirtieth of two thousand ten. Excellent, excellent. Uh, now. Prior to stepping in the ring, backyard or otherwise, uh, what is your earliest wrestling memory? Um, 2007, actually. Be like, I got into wrestling way later than a lot of people who have started wrestling. Traditionally, you know, most people are like, oh, you know, I've been watching it since I was a toddler with my parents mm-hmm. and stuff. That was not the case for me, just because my mother was not into wrestling and, um, so whenever I discovered it, I discovered it by myself as a teenager. Um, my earliest memory was actually the steel cage match uh, between Batista and Undertaker. Uh, the one that actually ended in a tie. Uh, so Undertaker retained and then Edge came out and cashed in his money in the bank to become the world heavyweight champion. Um, now, my question, my follow-up to that is, since you discovered it on your own and, and your household wasn't really one into pro wrestling, was professional wrestling kind of like a dirty secret for you, or was it just something that you were just kind of left alone with? No, I was kind of left alone with it. Um, like, as a child, like, 
I was always intrigued by it. Like it would pop on the TV for like a moment and I'd be like, oh, that's The Undertaker. Because even as a small child who wasn't watching wrestling, it was so, you know, mainstream and everything that, you know, you knew who people were, even if you weren't watching it. And right, so it was and in my the mom would just be like, yeah, exactly. And my mom would just be like, eh, let's change the channel. Um, right. And so, like, I just started watching it on my own as a teenager, uh, like in my bedroom and everything. And my mom, my grandparents and everybody, they were totally cool with me watching it because they're like, well, you have your own TV now, so we don't have to watch it. Um, but it was really funny because, like, after like after I had started wrestling and everything, my mom was actually super, like, supportive of it um because she was like yeah i never knew how much you were going to love wrestling like i never knew that this was going to be something that you were going to be so passionate about that you were going to start doing it yourself and had that been the case i would have had you in front of the tv every monday night watching it well that's wonderful i mean that's nice to have you know in the retrospective there of of an adult um yeah. now to oh um i had, I had a co-host all of a sudden um so <laughs> you being the kind of pro wrestling ghost in the machine as the glitch, I have to immediately ask, and I'm assuming that the answer of this question is going to literally turn me into dust uh, because I'm that old. What <laughs> is your earliest computer slash internet memory? When you think of like childhood experience with computers and technology, what is your earliest memory you can think of? What's the way back for you? dial-up like okay. aol like windows, like windows 97 or whatever like i i was very i was very computer savvy when i was younger i got into okay. it whenever it was becoming like commercially acceptable for every single person to start owning a computer it mm -hmm. taking up all the phone lines in the house everybody getting yes. pissed off because they want to make a phone call and nobody could as long as one person was on the internet and that person was usually me. Um, so it, it's not it's not as uh, it, it's not going to turn you into dust. I, I'm that's true. That, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Well, I, I was concerned if I started mentioning like GeoCities or um, Angel Fire that you would be like, yeah, I, I don't know what that is. And I go, oh, God, no. GeoCities. I know the name of and Angel Fire. I am familiar with. <laughs> OK, good. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so now to jump back to the present day, uh, our fourth lightning round question. Uh, what is the last movie that made you cry? Last movie that made me cry? Oof. Um, uh, let me think about that one. Um, what, like, so I, I occasionally watch scenes from like different movies and stuff that like may or may not, not make me cry. Last movie, though, that I like sat through and actually made me cry was the first time I uh, sat down and watched Logan. Um, okay. The, the ending got me so hard, um, especially when you're watching it, knowing that at that particular time, I, I don't know if that was, um, I don't know if that was Hugh Jackson's last uh, role as Wolverine, or if uh, X-Men Apocalypse had come out, before or after that i don't remember which order it was in but going into that movie knowing that that was going to be like more than likely his last if not his last um 
you know, can't, you know, his role as Wolverine really got me. And then of course the ending where, you know, he's there with, um, with, uh, X 23 and everything and he's dying mm-hmm. and whatnot really, really got me. It was very well done. Excellent. And then your final lightning round question, let's say you're trapped on a desert Island. The Wi-Fi is not working. What musical album do you bring with you to keep your sanity? Mm, um well it's gonna be it's got to be one of the mo- three more recent or a, no not three more recent because they just came out with a new one um it's got to be a bring me the horizon album because they're my favorite okay. band um i'm probably i really like ammo but i gotta go with uh sempaternal like right, everything excellent. on Semp- perfect so probably bring me the horizon sempaternal Excellent, excellent, good choices, and excellent uh, uh, scavenging through the lightning round here. Now, I'm going to surprisingly stay on uh, task for just a moment here. So, Kai, obviously, you've wrestled in the Midwest, in, in, in Indiana, and things like that. You've wrestled in the South, in in, uh, in Tennessee, and you've wrestled in the deep, dark, nasty South of Florida. If you can, <laughs> kind of walk us through the different atmospheres you've experienced in pro wrestling, because we've talked about on the show before Florida has an absolute shit reputation when it comes to professional wrestling, when it comes to most things, but specifically professional wrestling. So I'm curious as to what your take is seeing as you have been in some different regions. And I want to know, is there a real difference state to state or is it all, you know, basically just gray oatmeal at this point? Um, so I'm going to start with Oklahoma because Oklahoma's, you know, from is where I got my start. Um, Oklahoma is very different from almost anywhere else that I've wrestled in. Um, it's very old school. Um, they're they really don't. I I don't like wrestling there, even though it's my home state. Um, a lot of people don't like going anywhere. A lot of people don't really try to make an effort to mm. branch out and make wrestling there something and like that's my thing is like i love going places where people are just as passionate about pro wrestling as i am um and so like oklahoma i just don't enjoy wrestling in uh texas is really really fun um they're kind of like they still kind of have that old school feel but they all love wrestling so it's wonderful um of, of course um tennessee is kind of very similar to Texas, uh, but okay. it also like, you have a lot of people coming from Indigo there a lot. So there's a lot of like that flair and wrestling style there. So that's always really fun to see is because it's kind of a nice um, mix of old school and new school. Um, Indy is its own is its own monster, so to speak. Like everything appears like really fast, really crazy. Everybody is like totally open to do like pretty much anything up here, which is really, really fun. Um, whether it be like, you know, hard hitting wrestling, crazy spots, you know, big over the top gimmicks. Um, and you say that Florida, you know, gets a bad reputation, so to speak. Um, but I haven't really seen like what all the hate is, so to speak, with Florida wrestling. Okay. Um, I, will be, I will be the first to say that that might be entirely due to the fact that I have had um, who I consider, you know, like straight up my wrestling dad 
I've had Epic uh, holding my hand pretty much any time I've been in Florida. Right, um, true. Like, uh, first time, the first time I got booked in Florida was for Platinum Pro. And Platinum mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. I had a great time there. Um, Epic went out of his way to ensure that he and I could be booked together as a tag team, as well as, you know, facing um, uh, Carlos Gabriel and uh, Mayhem Merlin. So, you know, we had a really fun banger of a match there. Um, every time I've gone to Punk Pro, it feels like home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a, you know, I've always have fun at Ignite Rest. So, you know, and like, in addition to the fact that I know um, Epic has a hand helping out there with you guys in Punk Pro and has a mm-hmm. hand helping out at Ignite. Um, and he brings in like a lot of people that I'm familiar with, you know, from indie, you know, or from the northernmost regions. So like a lot of it feels, you know, up here like indie, and it's a lot of fun. Not to mention like there are just a lot of people, and there's a lot of fun to be had in Punk Pro and Ignite. So I've never seen the hate, so to speak, or like every like why people talk trash on the Florida wrestling scene. I've only ever seen positive things anytime I'm there. Um, but that's me personally. Good, 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 good. That's that's positive. That's nice to hear. Um, and and good for you for kind of avoiding, I guess, the slums or the seedier sides of Florida wrestling. Um, yeah. Let me let me I, ask I've you this never... as a follow up to that. Um, so you've you've mentioned a couple different places that you've wrestled in. Um, of those regions that you've that you've wrestled, um, which audience would you say not necessarily understood what you were going for? most but was at least willing to play in that playground with you the most and which one was i have my guess but which one was like the least accepting of oh this is like an interesting person and a, and a, and a different kind of persona than we're used to you know who's willing to play along as an audience and who isn't in the places that you've wrestled um so bizarro to me like they've got it from day one um like i've never felt like people instantly understood what I was doing from the moment I walked through a curtain, the way that Bizarro did. Um, And, you know, obviously Bizarro because of that has also been one of the biggest jumping off points for everything that I've done with myself so far, (laughs) because um, in terms of places that really didn't get it, you know, it was, you know, Uncle Oklahoma would probably. That was to, my guess. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's not so much. It, it's more about the fact that if what you're doing is not immediately all up in your face, then, you know, the crowd's not going to get it. If it's not something that you can easily just be like, you know, I'm an astronaut because I came out with an astronaut helmet and there's planets all over my wrestling attire, then, you know, like, they're not going to get it. (laughs) Okay. I only use that specific instance because that is instantly the most zany over-the-top gimmick that I could think of coming out of it. Well, I was just about to say, I'm like, I'm definitely going to keep that in my back pocket to, like, give to a wrestler who's struggling someday. Like, have you considered being an astronaut? Um, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it works. You could, your finisher could be the Buzz Aldrin straight punch. Uh, now, if I may shift gears here, in addition to being a uh, a fantastic professional wrestler and a very interesting character, uh, you also dabble in the Let's Play circuit on YouTube. And so, if you wouldn't mind 
just taking a brief moment here and uh, give the folks listening at home basically your TED Talk slash sales pitch on why someone should play any, if not all, of the Kingdom Hearts games. Oh, man, that's okay. So that's easy. So imagine, if you will, that you are a child. And you are a child with a ton of action figures. You remember those days when you were just sitting in front of your, you know, sitting in front of your toy box, if you will, playing with your X-Men figures and your Disney figures and, you know, your Naruto anime action figures. You know, now imagine you can take all of that and put it into a video game because that's exactly what Kingdom Hearts is. It's like, oh, you want all of your Disney characters, but you also want all of these fun RPG characters from the Final Fantasy series, which I've been literally playing since I was four years old. Like, Seven is one of the earliest memories of video games that I've ever had. So, yeah, also going to throw out that I'm super excited about the Final Fantasy Seven. Oh, I was going to say, that's going to be our next topic, so finish up your sales pitch. Yeah, so, like, now, if you want to just have that, where you are literally just playing the video game equivalent of all of your toy box characters meet and come to life and have super fun, you know, action fights mixed with magics, mixed with over-the-top visual effects. That's Kingdom Hearts. Now, do not expect a super streamlined story that you can understand in any way, shape, or form, and you're golden. That's all you need to do is have fun is just be like, I'm in, you know, I'm in Aladdin right now. I'm playing Aladdin World with Goofy and Donald. That's all you need. Just have fun playing a really good fighting game with fun mechanics and ignore the story, and you have the best series of video games that have ever been created. That is my TED Talk. I'll say, excellent, thank you. And that's quite a disclaimer for a video game. You know, that's that's quite the, the sticker on the front of the box of completely, please disregard story, for maximum enjoyment. That's uh, yes. that's pretty lofty, but at least you're honest. I, I am. And, like, I will say that, yes, the story has made me cry multiple times. And, yes, there are several points where the story just absolutely doesn't make sense or they are absolutely doing things just for fan service. But it's still a really, really fun play with super great graphics, super fun battles. Um, it's It's anime meets your toy box. Excellent. That's a great tagline. So, now that you've brought it up, now let's discuss Final Fantasy VII. And to to give uh, my own, I guess, uh, credibility here, uh, when I, when my brother, my, when my younger brother and I first got our PlayStation, um, which I want to say was two or three Christmases after the the game system had come out, it came with uh, two demo discs. Uh, a samurai uh, sword fighting game called Bushido Blade and Final Fantasy VII. And yeah. the demo disc was literally just basically what they what they released now for the remake, except that you were way overpowered in the demo disc. You had Ifrit as a summon already stock. Um, your HP was through the roof. Like, it was pretty close to a cakewalk. In terms yeah. of uh, you know getting going through the first Mako reactor, but be that as it may, I fell in love pretty hard. Played the living shit out of that game. Definitely used a game shark and cheated, and it ended up eating my uh, save file, so I never completed it. So that's my <laughs> background and trauma for that game series. That being said, 
Give me what your thoughts are. Have you played the demo? And what are your thoughts going into the eventual release of the long-anticipated, long-awaited remake of Final Fantasy VII? All right. So I'm going to say first and foremost that, you know, in, in case you do feel bad about it, I have also not beaten the original. Good. Um, okay. We're on even playing field now. Yes. Um, now, obviously, I know how the original ends. I know, like, all the boss battles and everything. Uh, my main reason for not beating it is I do not have the patience to grind the way that the original game needs. Like, I love Final Fantasy VII. I think it's one of the greatest, you know, video games of all time, let alone the greatest RPG of all time. Um, I don't, like, it's very grindy. Um, oh, it's absolutely, and, it's absolutely a product of its time. Yeah, it's, and, like, I hate that. It Like, my uh, my tag team partner, Dmitry Alexandrov, is also a huge fan. He's beaten that game a million times over, and for some reason, he gets off on grinding in video games. I don't understand it. I don't understand how he finds it fun, but he'll be like, yeah, I have everybody's, uh, like, everybody's maxed out level two limit breaks before I even leave um, Midgar. And I'm like, why is this fun for you? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm already level 30. And I'm like, why, how are you finding enjoyment in this? I don't get it. Um, (laughs) I mean, you're not crazy. That's, that, that would be my philosophy as well. Yeah, I don't understand how he finds that fun, but to each their own, I guess. Um, However, I played the demo like three hours ago. Um, I finally had time, you know, with everybody being quarantined to sit down and play it today. Um, And it was fantastic. Um, I definitely get very heavy um, Final Fantasy 15 influence in it, which Mm -hmm. I was a little concerned about, uh, but it plays very well. And it works very, very well for this. Um, turning Final Fantasy VII into an action RPG, um, I was very concerned about. Just because I was like, man, how are they going to make this work? But they seem to have done it effort, uh, effortlessly. It was very, very fun to play. Very action-orientated. Uh, you have a lot more to concentrate on. You can switch between characters. Uh, you can use like your abilities on the fly, but they also have slight limitations to how long you can do before you do it. That way you're not just spamming things repetitively and making the game too easy. Um, It's done very, very well. And I really enjoyed the demo. Um, I'm a big fan of action RPGs in general, and I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy XV. And it works very well in the confines of uh, Final Fantasy VII. It also doesn't seem like they're going to... uh, I was really worried. Like, one of my biggest fears about the game was that they were going to um, almost dumb down some of the original story elements or some of the characters and stuff and make it, like, a little too... I wouldn't say PG, um, but I feel like, you know, I was like, are they going to take out, like, you know, the grittiness of it? Are they going to take out some of the stuff that might be a little bit more questionable uh, to do in an era when you're trying to make video games accessible to everyone. And it doesn't seem like they're doing that at all. Uh, it seems like they're literally just remaking it to the best of their ability uh, exactly the same way that it was before, just as an action RPG. And I am all about it. Okay, okay. Visually, any thoughts on on, on how it looks compared oh, to the original? It's gorgeous. Um, the wait was definitely worth it in terms of graphics. They had teased that they were going to remake this back in like 2012, and the demo for the 
like teaser even looked good but the graphics now are you know up to quality for what they are now and they're it's beautiful um yeah it's what it needs to be and i'm glad that they're not really like pulling any punches when it comes to like anything having to do with the graphics of the look or anything so far having to do with the game my biggest concern is that um they're not going to release a finished game so to speak and that's not even so to, that's not even because of the whole rumor that they were going to be releasing like episonic things to make the game come out in different little bundles as much as it's game devs you know nowadays just like releasing unfinished products um it's a like that's a fear of anything that's a fear that i have for cyberpunk 2077 that we're just not going to get a finished game um and that is i feel a reasonable fear that i'm going to have of final fantasy 7 that they're going to they're going to sell us half a game and be like hey now if you want the real thing here's three more bits of um um you know what I'm trying to say. You know, you have yeah, to pay like, it. Like exactly that. You you'll need the season pass to get out of Midgar, basically. Yeah. Thank thank you. I couldn't think of the word, but yeah, like that's that's my biggest fear. It's like, oh, you need to gonna you're gonna have to buy all this uh all the season pass if you want to play the whole game. And it's just like, no, that's that's not how we have fun with a video game. But unfortunately, that's the area that we live in now when it comes to video games. So true. And I'm I will say. I'm hoping that between, uh, ideally, you know, if if Final Fantasy VII can be more of a finished product, and I think your fear is completely justified, I'm hoping that between that and, you know, the success of of Resident Evil 2, which didn't really fall into the modern traps of, like, loot boxes and horse shit like that, that, like, maybe we can turn a corner to where it can be more of a finished product and not you know, just a catalyst for, you know, constant upsell, but that may just be a pipe dream now. I don't know, but I'm hoping between that combination, maybe we get closer to going back to that. Um, Before I I throw out my uh, opinions on on the whole demo and the whole nine yards, uh, quick question, other media forms of Final Fantasy VII, were you into those as well? Did you watch the Advent Children movie? Did you play Crisis Core? Did you you know, go into I, all the weird spinoffs or no? Uh, yes and no. I didn't play Crisis Core, and I know there was another one that I don't remember that I didn't play. There um, was a Vincent Valentine one. I remember that Dirge too. I don't Cerberus. remember what the hell called. Is, there you go, yeah. It was Dirge of Cerberus. That one I did play, and I actually really, really enjoyed it. Now, it might be a product of its time because I came out, like, in the time where everything had to be a third-person shooter. You know, that's right. also, like period when we got shadow the hedgehog which we don't talk about um but but i really enjoyed it i would have to see about getting like a ps3 with backwards compatibility or a ps2 to see about playing it again see if it holds up but last i remembered of it i really enjoyed it uh the only weak thing that i had about it was just like the music because i felt like the music could have been way better um except it did have two really good songs at the end but that's neither here nor there we're not talking about that um Advent Children, I own the DVD for. Okay. I really, really liked it. Um, I thought it was a great uh, follow-up to Final Fantasy VII. And while the English dub isn't the best, uh, so to speak, um, I still think that the story really, really holds up. I think that it's really well told. And I think that um, 
it was a cool way to have one more showdown with uh, Cloud and Sephiroth with nice flashy graphics that we didn't think we were going to get because we didn't know if, you know, Final Fantasy VII's remake was ever going to be made or come out. So it was like, uh, hey, here's what Final Fantasy VII could be if we made it in this day and age, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, but it was really, really fun. I liked it. Um, in terms of Crisis Core, and I know there's one more. There's one more game uh, in that little series and spinoffs and everything that I can't remember. Uh, but I never played that either. Okay. Well, my I'm not going to go into a huge TED talk about it, but I will say that I'm a little more cynical in regards to the new remake. It does look fantastic, and I do feel like there are some improvements. But I'm also kind of in the camp of like, hey, I get that there's a lot of work here and there's a lot of polish. Did it really need to take like, you know, over a decade basically to, you know, to get this thing finally up and moving? And like you said, Advent Children was like kind of sort of seeming like it was their answer of like, a, well, it's not a remake, but it's kind of sort of, we're kind of doing that a little bit. And it just felt like it took forever for no real reason. It, you know, so I'm I'm pretty grumpy about the whole thing, but I'm with you. I hope that they just kind of go, ta-da, we've exceeded expectations and we're going to release the whole kit and caboodle or at least most of it. And it's not going to be, you know, episodic horse shit that's going to be broken up among many systems or whatever the case may be. So I'm with you. I hope that it just kind of comes out as close to a bundle as possible and that, yeah. you know, I can I can have my opinion changed. I'm just sort of like... Yeah, I feel like, you know, with the changes on upper management and, and the, the, the direction that it was going in, it just felt like there was a lot of behind-the-scenes reasons why it took forever and a day to get to this point that weren't 100% necessary. So I'm still in sort of like I, a, the demo was good, but I will I will save my judgment for when I actually have the game in my cold, decrepit hands. Yeah, I, I have one counter-argument to that. Okay. Um, and, like, this is not like a, to say that, your argument is not invalid because it definitely is and that is a good way to look at it um however though when you think of like like there are a couple of factors in that that kind of need to be taken into account uh, first and foremost is how much square enix does uh because they put out so many fucking games um they've you know like they've had the tomb raider ones they put out all these different Final Fantasy stuff, they're constantly putting out DLC for uh, Final Fantasy games. It took them forever to, re it took them a decade to release, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 yes. after 2 for the same exact reason. Um, plus, it's also that thing of like, Square Enix makes games with exceptionally good graphics. Like, they've always been ahead of the curb um, in graphics. Like, even, even back in 2006 or uh, even back in like 2006 or 2012, whenever it was, I think it was six uh, when final fantasy seven came out. I remember it blowing my little mind because no right. game had graphics that good. Um, and this was running on a PS two. Um, if you like, I don't think that the remake as beautiful as it is, as you know, probably big of a file as it is, you know, would have ever been able to be made on a PS2 or 3, um, or even, you know, been able to be feasible the way that it is if they had not waited as long as they had to drop it on the PS4 with how beautifully polished it is. It probably would have crashed any other system 
That's that true. Try That's with. true. That's a fair point. Um, and I do hope that the whole game is as polished as the demo is. Um, and like I said, you, you bring up great points. I'm just, I'm waiting for judgment until I have the whole damn thing together. And then it's not just like a, well, here's 10 minutes. And then in six months, there'll be another 10 minutes and yada, yada, oh, yada. yeah. You're <laughs> totally right. Now, but no, I have, I have another, have that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, now I have another t- difficult question for you. Sure. Um, Fuck, marry, or kill Mr. Robot, The Matrix, and the internet title from the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Ah, oh, man. Why? Why you do this to me? Um, that's what, okay, uh, well, that's just... my job. That's what a sit-down interview with the indie cast is about. Uh, okay. Um, well, okay. Well, I'm going to say kill The Matrix only because as I'm going to break your heart, I've never seen it. And I've never seen any really? of the Really? Never seen it. Well, watch the uh, first one. Don't worry about the sequels. Just watch the first one. <laughs> Maybe the Animatrix, since you enjoyed Advent Children. That might be something that tickles your fancy. But watch the first one. I think it would be worth your time. All right. Well, as it stands without having seen the first one, I'm going to go ahead and kill the Matrix. Okay. Um, man, Mr. Robot, I absolutely adore. Um, and obviously, the internet title is my best friend. Uh, so I'm going to have to marry the, the internet title because I couldn't just, you know, one and done it. I have to keep it in my life forever. Right, uh, right. So I guess I just have to fuck Mr. Robot, which, you know, f- like... I'd say you're just yeah. going to fuck the shit out of that, of out of Rainy yeah. Malik? I mean, it, it's gritty and dark enough, you know, like, it'd probably, it'd probably be a fun one-night stand and to call it good. Okay, fair but, enough. But I, see, but I see me in the internet title enjoying many long years graying and growing old together. That's precious. Uh, <laughs> now, in addition to, uh, like you said, you've, you've traveled um, fairly extensively. Uh, for professional wrestling, which, I, if anything, I hope this is a catalyst to get this young man booked in other states because every state that wrestling is in after this pandemic is over needs a bug in their system, and and Kai Faden can be that bug. But nevertheless, uh, I mean, on your most recent trip now. to Florida, I'm sorry, what? Yes. I was going to say, you all can book me now. I I don't have a mouth. I don't have nose. I breathe through That's tubes. True. I'm not getting anyone sick. I'm That's the true. same bet on your card. That's a, he's He's got a great point. You want to talk about, you know, not being contagious, that he's your poster child for it. But be that as it may, on your most recent venture down here to the Sunshine State, you got to experience uh, the wonderful world of Walt Disney World for the first time. And... So I have to know, as someone who went in uh, on your first journey in, and I have it on good authority that you basically did as best you could to be, to run the gauntlet. You did the shit out of Disney. Um, what was your favorite part of Walt Disney World as an experience? Oof. Um, man, that's a tough one because uh, the whole experience was great. And I would also like to say that I probably – could have ran the entire gauntlet on Disney World, uh, but I took Holly Cromwell with me, and she was a lightweight and was dying like almost all the way through it. Uh, and, for- and it should also be put on the record: you literally had a broken foot. So I did. No, you, no, you, not, you were, not. You were. But you there? Who's going to talk first? Uh, yes. Uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, did I break it? No, um, we were both. We were. We were in a Mexican standoff built on politeness. <laughs> Perfect. Um, my foot was not broken in Disney World. My foot was broken in Orlando Studios, which happened two days later. 
Ah, uh, so you saved it for Universal. Very nice. Yes. Um, because I broke my foot at Punk Pro Wrestling uh, and did Orlando Studios the following day on a broken foot. Um, I did Disney World two days prior to that. Um, oh, and right. what, I got my timeline totally confused. I apologize. Oh, it's totally fine. Um, however, Disney World had so many amazing moments, and um, I probably could have done everything. Uh, but I will also give Holly her credit. She was running Disney World on two hours of sleep, um, and we ate all of the sugary foods. So by the end of it, she was experiencing a major sugar crash. Um, so uh, I'm probably going to have to give it to one um, of three moments, probably in the uh, in order from number three to number one, probably in my mind. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean ride um, had a super I had a blast on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, um, especially since Holly was terrified, which made me laugh hilarious. Why, why was she terrified? They're they're she, robots from the seventies, except for Johnny Depp. She's terrified of roller coasters, and the start of that, and the start That's of it, true. it does have the drop at the beginning. Yeah. And there were obviously there was cannon fire. Everything was dark. It was smoky. She was not having a good time, which like meant that I was having a good time because I love that kind of stuff and she does not. So it's kind of hilarious. Um, I will say as someone who is a a, a frequent visitor of uh, Disney World, I think you got the perfect uh, opportunity to experience Pirates of the Caribbean because you didn't go in with nostalgia because there's a lot of people, uh, myself included, who get very whiny and bitchy about these rides when they have to change things. And so Pirates of the Caribbean has gone through several changes in Walt Disney World. Not, of, of course, obviously, with the inclusion of the Johnny Depp robots. Um, but, you know, there's scenes that have been changed around or tones that have been changed to fit more 2020. Um, and there's plenty of people who, you know, piss and moan about it. So the fact that you got to come in basically with a clean slate and just go... This is crazy. I feel like you really get a great opportunity to experience these things. So I'm glad that it made number three on the list. Yeah, I I know that, like, because I've also seen that, because Holly uh, got us on binge watching a bunch of, like, Disney World must-do and, like, top things that are disappointing and, like, all those kind of top whatever videos, like, months before we went in there. So I knew that there were a lot of people who were, like, not as big of a fan of the ride the way that it is now um but i don't have that nostalgia like you said and i loved it i had a blast i thought it was super fun um but you know i get why some people you know would be you know sad by that especially you know knowing like all the changes and everything that it has gone through um number two is easy and like sort of like it could easily make number one um but um, I'll save why number one made made what it did uh, when I get to it. Number two was meeting Stitch. Um, okay, because I did because I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, I didn't expect it. We kind of just stumbled into it. Um, and Stitch is my favorite Disney character of all time. Um, like I like to look at it that I'm the Stitch of Bizarro Wrestling uh, because I have so much of a love for it. Um, like I'm a formulation number for a reason. Um, but Excellent. we went into like we stumbled into his building because 
we weren't looking for him. We just saw there was a building that was kind of empty, but the door was wide open. And we're like, is, is this a ride? Is this building even accessible to enter? And Holly's like, let's not go in there. I don't want to wander in somewhere that's going to get me into trouble. And I'm like, well, I'm the exact opposite. I love getting in trouble. Let's see where this leads. And I walk into the building. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Stitch. And so, of course, we waited in line with, like, several children right in front of me. And I'm the only giddy adult ready to have my picture taken with Stitch. And I still have that picture, um, which I may have to doctor and put on the Internet just so that my face isn't showing. Um, But, yeah, I got to meet Stitch. And that made me super, super happy. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And the last one, the one that is number one, uh, was the fireworks show at the end. Um, Ah, Excellent. Which, I love fireworks anyway. Um, and the whole thing, like, we we were staying specifically to hear, like, me and Holly, like, vowed that we were staying to hear the goodnight kiss at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we were staying that long. Um, we didn't, uh, we knew there was going to be at least one fireworks show. We didn't know there was going to be two. Uh, but the first one really, really got me. Because uh, it was beautiful. It was, like, great spectacle. Um, did, you, music- did you tear up at all? No, there's no shame. Everybody does. Did you tear up at the end at all? Me tearing up uh, was the reason that it made number one, because very specifically, um, I'm going to let in like a little uh, personal thing about me uh, with me and my mom is uh, me and my mom are very, very close. And one of uh, the songs that me and mom kind of consider our song is You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins from the Tarzan movie, which did play during the fireworks show you damn right it does and it immediately uh had me bawling like a baby when it started playing um so i i gave it to that one i was like yep nope this made me feel the most during the entire trip in a trip that was already having me on high uh feels overload as well as sensory overload because i am an extreme introvert around a lot of people but it was like my excitement over uh, overtook any um, introvert fears of being around a bunch of people the entire trip uh, to have me reduced to a bawling mass in front of strangers uh, due to playing a childhood nostalgic song between me and my mom instantly made that take number one. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So now on the inverse, I have to ask, uh, what was the lamest element of uh like what was the lamest ride what was the one that you were like "Mm, this wasn't worth it uh it's a small world ride (laughs) oh (laughs) Oh, but it's a classic oh it was it was it was um i get why it's there it was also the first ride that we did um but uh and holly was very adamant that we do it first because holly knows more about um everything having to do with disney and stuff so uh she picked that one of like we're going on this ride first she was like because you're gonna appreciate every single other ride way more if you do this one first uh (laughs) well and uh... i was like what is that (laughs) and she was like you'll see and she wasn't wrong necessarily in the traditional sense um it was kind of horrifying in a couple of places Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but uh it just went on way too long um a close a very very close second 
um, it was probably actually I wouldn't even say it was a close second. It's just kind of second. I wouldn't even say it's close, but I would have to say that a second place, and it's the only one I could think of, would be the um, the Little Mermaid ride. Um, just <laughs> it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I too have a very similar evaluation of that ride, mainly because the ride's gimmick is it's supposed to be a summary of the movie. And it doesn't do a great job of summarizing that movie. Exactly. Not to mention that the Ariel and the Eric animatronics are kind of horrifying with how soulless that they look in their face. Yeah, not great. Not great. (laughs) Also, the end of that ride is Ursula becomes gigantic and then turns into King Triton, I guess? Yeah, and there's no resolution. It's just, no, uh, I, uh, whatever. The corn's dying, but that's about it. Yeah, very odd. <laughs> I, so I did let not... me ask you this then. Since you got yeah. to experience Disney, you got to experience Universal. Um, which, by the way, what was, a, uh, what was a quick standout moment of Universal other than, you know, you were wandering around with a broken foot, legitimately broken foot. I have my timelines correct now. Oof. Um... So I really, really liked Orlando Studios, not as much as Disney, uh, which I will say Disney probably gets me on more of a nostalgic level. Um, but claim to fame. I, I, I really, really liked um, Orlando Studios. I didn't get to do the Jurassic Park ride. Um, mm. All water rides are closed during January, so I didn't get to do that one. That's there and Disney, so I was a little, I was a little bummed about that. But being in Jurassic Park world was instantly a huge win for me that's one of my favorite like on any day of the week jurassic park one is my favorite movie of all time um so being around that was cool the harry potter worlds with all of the different elements and rides and everything there was super super cool um i really really liked that um wandering around uh the men in black ride was i got to do one and you and i actually talked a little bit about that one mm-hmm. um at the punk pro show or no was it i talked to you about i don't feel like we or did we just text about it we talked about it though was the point yes Um, we did communicate about it i felt like we talked in person though um but yeah no the men in black ride was really 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 fun um and i had a blast there but yeah overall it was all really fun i probably would have enjoyed it had i had full mobility and lack of pain in my foot uh but yeah no that was a lot of fun too so let me ask you this before we move off this topic. Uh, is there anything on a uh, Kai Faden, uh bucket list for either of these theme parks that you would want to do next time you're, you're down here? Um, so Universal, maybe ride a couple of the roller coasters. I pretty much did everything I felt was really worth doing at Universal. Um, now, did- what if I told you, what if I told you that Universal Studios in Orlando is currently in construction of a third theme park that will include a Super Nintendo World. Would that do well, anything then, for you? Well, then, yeah, I absolutely have to go back and do that third and, world. And what if I were to tell you that in this created world, there would be both a Mario Kart dark ride and a Donkey Kong Country minecart roller coaster would that do anything to entice you uh, you had me at super nintendo world now you're just adding sprinkles on top of the ice cream for me man <laughs> it's, a, it's a hat on top of a hat i apologize yeah, um, exactly but no the, so my my sh- uh shilling for universal aside 
Um, is there anything left on the to-do list for either park? Oh, yes. Um, ride the rides more at Universal. Uh, mm-hmm. Disney, I have a lot more. Like, even, I even have to go back to Magic Kingdom. Um, wow. Because we didn't, we didn't finish all the rides. I didn't even get to uh, ride Ric Flair, which is what I like to call Space Mountain. That's true. Which makes That's Holly true. every time. Because she was like, don't put it like that. And I love That's, doing it. Well, hey, it's the oldest ride with the longest line. It, it, it's exactly. there for a reason. Exactly. I just say, yeah, I want to ride Ric Flair. And she's like, oh, don't do that. I'm like, why not? It's exactly what it is. Um, But I got to I got to go back. I got to ride Ric Flair. I want to go during Halloween just to see Disney and Halloween. Uh, We want to go on Christmas. Um, And then I have four other goddamn theme parks at that at that place that I got to see. So I've barely scratched the surface when it's come to Disney. I have to go back and complete more of it, which well, hopefully may, next time I'll say next time you're able to venture down here, uh, Luna and I or Chad and Shelly, the whole damn IndyCast crew can definitely meet you at a Disney park and we can venture together. Um, get Jesse to go too. Yeah, sure. We can. She's got a pass too. We can get everybody to go. Um, we'll be obnoxious. Everyone will hate us. Um, but that's excellent. Yeah, the, there's the new Star Wars area in uh, in Hollywood Studios. They just opened up uh, a new ride, Mickey Mouse's first ride in, in company history. Um, there's Animal Kingdom, which I've lived here for most of my life, and I've never fucking gone there. I have no idea what's there. Uh, <laughs> so okay, there's all kinds of shit. Um, but anyway, so now I have there. There's a series of questions here that it is my duty that I have to ask you now. We have to leave the fun and games of. Uh, of the mouse behind and get down to some brass tacks here. So number one, the Trevin Adams Memorial question, even though he's still alive, Kai, you have traveled this great country. You have, uh, you have done the drives, you have done the flights and while on the road, sometimes the grumblies start calling your tum, tum gets a little hungry and it's time to make a brief detour and get yourself some food. In an ideal situation, all things being equal, which would you prefer to stop and get some sustenance? A Sheets or a Wawa? God damn it. Why you got to do this to me? We ask the hard questions here. That is what the IndyCast is here for. That is a hard question. Um, But I've only had Sheets once. Um, But I, I did like Sheets. I've been to Wawa more times. Um, and I enjoy it every time. I will say that the one time I had sheets, I seemed to enjoy it better. Um, but I've only had it once and I haven't had Wawa in, when was the last time I've been to Florida? No, I didn't even have that, la- that last time. It's been over a year and a half since I've last had Wawa. Uh, um, so unbiasedly, I'm going to have to give it sheets just because I haven't had Wawa in so long. Damn you. God damn you. All right. So that's number one. So next question, we've got some uh, some famous two questions here. Uh, number one, to take it all the way back to professional wrestling, which is what this podcast is supposed to be about. Uh, in the <laughs> uh, incredible performance art that is professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early. And so with that being said, um, who is a performer, a manager, anybody involved in the world of professional wrestling that is no longer alive that you would have loved to have worked with, to talk to, to study under, uh, what ghost are you fighting in the ring? Um, ooh, that's a lot of really, really like that. That's a tough one. There's a lot of really good ones. 
Um, so I'm probably, Ooh, this is actually really, really tough. Um, I'm probably going to say first and foremost, Roddy Piper. Uh, excellent, um, because, excellent answer. Cause Holy hell, he's one of the greatest of all time. Um, and to pick that man's brain would, would have been amazing. Um, I'm going to give another one. This actually, this one actually probably beats Roddy Piper, but now that I thought of him like, Holy hell, why was he not my first one? Uh, right. definitely Masawa. Um, cause he's one of the greatest of all time. Um, and I hate to say this, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break probably your heart as I say this, but I'm gonna say an honorable mention because even though he's not dead, I'm kind of afraid that it's gonna be happening soon. Is uh, Terry Funk because I have not yet got to meet him, and I'm afraid he's gonna that's, pass before I get to. That's somewhat insulting, but okay, that's fair. I'd say that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to mainly give it to Masawa though. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, now, second question here. Uh, we here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature has certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. For instance, uh, rhinos have the big horns, uh, giraffes have the long necks, etc., etc. Our belief is that human beings, as an animal, their evolutionary advantage is their ability to use tools. So that being said, Kai Faden, if you had to fight any animal, what would it be? And what weapon do you use? Why? Well, why do I get to pick the animal? Like that—that that makes my job easy because I can just pick something that's that's harmless. That true. Really. True. Or shit. if you have a personal vendetta against a certain animal, now is your opportunity. But I love all animals. If there's one thing you need to know about me, I'm an animal person. I don't want to fight any animal. I want to like snuggle any animal. Um, like. Give me a crocodile, and I will find a way to hug it. Um, man, this is a not... I don't like this question. I don't like this question at all. Um, well, unfortunately, it's, really, it's been it's been precedented for six years now, so suck it up and answer question. I, I want to write a position to get rid of this question. I don't, why can't I just fight another human? Humans are despicable creatures. Are you saying you want to fight a furry? That seems very hateful. No, I just said a human. I, you're the one who went first. Human as an animal, dressed as an animal. That's what I'm saying. That's that seems very, very close-minded, Kai. Human beings are animals, Mr. Romero. I, again, you're you're stretching the boundaries of the question here. Now, to give you some some uh, some lifelines here, we have had uh, client or clients. We have had guests <laughs> who uh, have chosen mythological creatures. We've also had guests who picked creatures that they could very easily beat and immediately win. So there is a little bit of leeway here. Oh, man. I mean, that doesn't help me much. Um, uh, you know what? Just give, give me a dragon and let it eat me. Just just let let it end my life. You're I'm saying, not going to hurt. You're saying animal. your weapon would be like A1 steak sauce that you just slather on yourself? Yeah, exactly. I just like I'm just gonna dump a bottle of A1 steak sauce on myself. And be like, here you go, Mr. Dragon. Just end it all. Um, I'm not about to fight you, and it's done because I'm I'm not about to hurt any animal. You're difficult not to crack, Kyle. With all of that said, you've done incredibly thus far here with the interview, and now you've officially earned your opportunity as Mr. Brian Cage has given us permission to 
to use to get your shit in. Kai, where can people follow you on social media? Where can they watch your Let's Plays? Where can they buy your merchandise? The floor is yours. Uh, well, I got a ton of them. Uh, so uh, here we go. I uh, can first and foremost, you want to buy merchandise. The only place that you need to buy or find merchandise for me is on Pro Wrestling Tees. Just look up Kai Faden and you can find all my shirts. I try to update it fairly often. Um, I have a water maneuver. Um, I don't use it. I don't really intend to use it. I have a red bubble. I don't use it. I don't intend to use it. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, other... He also media, has a shop on fullygimmick.com where you can buy a oh, t-shirt yeah. there as well. <laughs> That, that also might be a good place. Um, Whoops. Thank you, Whoops. ominous Whoops. voice from out of nowhere that may or may not have plugged that because I forgot to. Um, <laughs> but yes, but um, I'll, uh, yeah, you can buy my stuff on Fully Gimmicked as well. I have a really oh, cool hey. glitch shirt. Hey, thanks. We appreciate that. <laughs> I have an awesome glitch shirt on there. Um, I have another design. Hopefully coming up there fairly soon that I'm super some excited goggles about. Goggles and other shit. It's all coming. Give it time. Yes. Please. Like, that'll be awesome. But yes, okay. Okay, then, yeah, redact what I first said. Pro Wrestling Tees or Fully Gimmicked, uh, because the Fully Gimmicked stuff is going to be sweet. Um, and in terms of my personal social media, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I don't really use it a whole lot, so... You can find me, and you can probably add me, but I don't use it. If you really want to interact with me on places, uh, add me on Twitter. Twitter's the big one. Just look up at Kaya Busta, K-A-I-B. <laughs> How do I even spell my own name? K-A-I-A-B-U-S-T-A-H. Um, same for Instagram. I'm way more easily accessible on both of those. Um, if you want to follow my Let's Play channel, you can look up Glitch Buddies on YouTube or on Twitter. and I try to upload stuff, and now that we're in the midst of the apocalypse, I will have way more time to upload content on there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Kai, thank you so much for joining us here. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Of course, thanks to all the dozens and dozens for continuing to listen uh, and supporting the IndieCast. Uh, if you've got your own hot takes about whether or not the Final Fantasy VII remake is going to be any good or not, or if that is, in fact, the greatest sales pitch for Kingdom Hearts that's ever been done, or your own judgments for uh, Fuck, Mary Kill between Mr. Robot, The Matrix, and the Internet title. Or if you want to sign the upcoming petition to remove the final question from the IndieCast, don't you fucking dare. Please All do. of that more can be followed on our social media outlets for the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Uh, on behalf of all of my missing uh, co-hosts here, I'm Zach Romero. Thank you so much for joining us here. And until next time, everyone, as we always say, deuces. Oh, God, just shove it in my face. I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. It's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are, we're touching wieners. Not touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Mom, save vagina.